going to be uh, continuing in our study of the book of Acts. And last week with Pastor Jeff, our, our text brought us to the conclusion of the Apostle Paul's second missionary journey. And this morning we will be looking at the kickoff, if you will, or the beginning of his third missionary journey, which uh, will last a total of approximately four years, roughly the years uh, 53 through 57. And to kind of paint a picture uh, of where we are going to be heading this morning, and obviously in the weeks ahead, uh, in this third missionary journey that Paul is on, he's leaving the church at Antioch, as you might recall, is his home base, if you will. And um, he's leaving that church, he's leaving the home base, and he's heading towards Ephesus. Uh, but as we are going to see in our text today, he makes some stops along the way. On his way to Ephesus, he takes some time to revisit the churches in Galatia and Phrygia, and we will get into a little bit of that this morning. And something that's going to stand out to you if you have read this text before in the, the text that follows, um, the heart or the main portion of this trip for Paul was going to be a rather long stay in Ephesus. He was there a little more than two years out of the four years of this journey. Now, Ephesus, it was the capital. It was the leading business center of the Roman province of Asia, which we know today as Turkey. Ephesus was a hub of sea and land transportation, and it ranked right up there with Antioch in Syria and Alexandria in Egypt as one of the greatest cities on the Mediterranean Sea. It was really a thriving metropolis. There was a lot going on in this area. There was a lot going on in the region. And like I said, Paul stayed in Ephesus for a little more than two years, and it was there where he wrote his first letter to the Corinthians to counter problems that the church in Corinth was facing. And later, while there, he was imprisoned in Rome. He wrote a letter to the Ephesian church, which we now know today as the book of Ephesians. And later on, you will see that towards the end of this third missionary journey for Paul, before he makes his return to Jerusalem, he's going to make stops to the believers in Macedonia and Greece so needless to say, going to Ephesus, while it was going to be something that took more than half of the journey, you know, it was not his sole purpose of the journey. He was going to make lots of stops on the way there, on the way back. And last week we heard about uh, Priscilla and Aquila, and they're going to be involved again in our text this morning. And we're also going to meet a man by the name Apollos. And along with that, we are going to see the true and real importance of keeping ourselves surrounded by strong believers in the faith who will encourage us, who will help us grow, and we will also see the importance of not being afraid to counsel others using God's word and correcting others when speaking or teaching something that is not completely accurate. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 18 today, uh, starting in verse 22. And going through chapter 19, verse 7. I'll be reading from the ESV today. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church, and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. 
He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to come across Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had been believed, had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Chapter 19, it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. All right, so I'd like you to meet Apollos. The text tells us that he was a Jew. He was an eloquent man. He was an eloquent speaker. He knew the scriptures well. And he had come to Egypt, but our text also shares with us something about Apollos that is important. He had only heard what John the Baptist had said about Jesus. So that's why it's important to note that because with only that knowledge, his message, it was not full. It was not complete. To which I immediately thought of parents when your children tell you a story that is not the complete or full story. They tell you the parts that they only want you to know. Please notice that my wife was the first one to laugh. <laughs> Needless to say, we get that a lot in our house. They, they don't tell you the full story because they don't want to get in trouble. They don't tell you all the parts because, you know, they always say, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. Let me just go ahead and confirm that. Let me tell you something. First of all, if a child or teenager tells you it's not that big of a deal, more times than not, oh, it's that big of a deal. There would be certain times where I would get a message from one of my kids' teachers. Oh, Lord. I'd almost like, there would be certain days where if it was a certain morning in our house, I knew something was going to happen that day. And when I would see a text come through it, I don't know if everybody's phone because you've got droids or iPhones or whatever, you know, if you have the sacred holy phone that is the Android, um, it gives you this little line that goes across the top, and I see his teacher's name, and I just go, oh, Lord. And I unlock my phone, and I almost, like, close my eyes until I read it. So it's like, oh, good, it's just about field day. Okay, we're good. And then, you know, you get these, you get these stories from kids that's not always the full and complete story. What if you're thinking from a more practical setting, like, say, a courtroom, having the full and complete story holds a lot of value. So if you're really thinking of what's, what I'm alluding to here, Apollos 
he does not have the full picture. He does not have the full story. He does not have the complete story. He does not have the right picture. I once read about a, a not-so-bright girl who called her boyfriend and said, please come over here and help me. I have a very, very difficult jigsaw puzzle, and I cannot figure out how to get it started. And he said, what is it supposed to be when it's finished? And she said, according to the picture on the box, it's a tiger. Her boyfriend decides to go over and help with the puzzle. She lets him in and shows him where the puzzle has been spread out all over the table. And he studies the pieces for a moment. He then looks at the box. He turns to her and says, first of all, no matter what we do, we are never going to be able to put this entire puzzle to resemble a tiger. He takes her hand and says, secondly, I want you to relax. And then he sighed, let's put all these frosted flakes back into the box. <laughs> she did not have the correct picture. <laughs> yeah, she didn't even have the right picture. See, Apollos did not have the full picture. He did not have the full story. His message was not complete, but he did not know that. He was only sharing what he knew. John the Baptist had only focused on repentance from sin in his message, which obviously we know is the first step for the way of salvation, but it's not the only step, and it's not the final step. The whole message of salvation is to repent from sin and then believe in Jesus. Now, let me be clear about this in regards to Apollos. He was not intentionally leaving that out. He wasn't making his own mind up to omit that piece of the story. He was not only trying to tell the good part or whatever part you might want to label it. He did not know about Jesus's life. He did not know about the crucifixion that Christ endured. And even more so, Apollos did not have a single clue about the resurrection. He did not know, so how could he tell anyone? But there is one more key piece that Apollos did not know about. And did you catch that in what I just said? He did not have a clue about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now enter in Priscilla and Aquila, who would explain the way of salvation to Apollos. Now notice something here from the text this morning. Did Priscilla and Aquila embarrass him and shut him down? Did they tell him to never preach again? Did they tell him to never teach again? Absolutely not. They stopped and they took the time to explain to him the pieces that he was missing to help make his message complete. Now, can you imagine for a second, church, what would have happened to people like Pastor Jeff or myself the first time we said something wrong or incorrect in a sermon, people would have shut us down and told us to never preach again? Spoiler alert, he would not be your pastor. Spoiler alert 2.0, I would not be here on this platform right now. We wouldn't be here if some of the first time that we ever didn't tell the full story of the message or misinterpreted scripture in a different way or something and people shut us down. I mean, think about that when you're learning how to do something. What if the first time 
you know, in, for this past season from coaching T-ball, when we moved off of them just hitting on the tee and we did coach pitch. What if the first time I pitched the ball to Luke and it was a great pitch and Luke missed it and I said, Luke, put the bat down. You're never playing again. What good does that do? I'll answer it for you. None. The first time that Lucy, God bless her, the first time I did the coach pitch with Lucy, my, my assistant coach and my best friend Josh, he was he was behind the plate kind of being the catcher. I threw the ball. The ball landed in his glove, and then Lucy swung the bat. <laughs> Can you imagine right then and there if I would have told my five-year-old daughter, you're done, forget it. That's what's so important about what Priscilla and Aquila did. They didn't tell Apollos, you're done. Don't ever do this again. If you're catching what I'm getting at here this morning, there cannot be enough importance stressed on having strong believers in the faith surrounding you to help you along the way. When Jeff and I have messed up in sermons of the past, he'll tell you that he never messes up. But not only in this season <laughs> that we are both currently in, do we have each other, but we have other people in church. We have Tom, we have Bob, we have Teo, we have Jim, or we have other people. You have those people in your life too, those people that are sitting around you right now. In the past, we have also, I'm sure along the way, Jeff and I have both had other strong mentors along the way. Strong professors that we had in Bible college. Other men and women in the faith to help us, to mentor us, to encourage us, and certainly not tell us that we should find another career. We've had those people, I'm sure, that have told us to find other careers. Hopefully they were joking. <laughs> Evangelist Ron Freeman once told a story like this. Brother Jim H. Warren, my mentor and father in the faith, had witnessed my preaching on several occasions while I was training under him in Biloxi, Mississippi. In 1967, he was a dynamic preacher, full of faith, and powerful in his delivery of the Word of God. After hearing my second sermon, he felt the need to give me a little critique in my preaching. After things had quieted down around the church building, he took me aside and said, Brother Freeman, you need to get more excited about your preaching. You don't seem to be fervent in the Spirit. I asked Pops, what do you mean? He paused for a good while before responding. He desired to be gentle as a servant of the Lord and his words unto me, his son in the faith. He looked at me straight in the eyes and spoke with frankness, son, you need to put some fire in that sermon or put that sermon in the fire. I learned later he was making reference to Apollos in his preaching. Because Luke wrote of Apollos, he was an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and was fervent in the spirit. He spoke and taught diligently the things of the Lord. These are words to take to heart. After all, Apollos, from Alexandria, Egypt, the second most important city in the entire Roman Empire, and it was even the home to a great university. The city of Alexandria had a thriving Jewish population, and Apollos, while he was a scholar, while he was an eloquent speaker, while he was a gifted orator and debater, as I said, he did not have the full picture for the path of salvation. Because of the efforts and the commitment of Priscilla and Aquila, and their explaining everything to him, Apollos, man, his knowledge about Christ was made more complete, and because of this, God used these gifts 
in such a mighty way to strengthen and encourage the church. I will tell you this today. Reason is a powerful tool when it is in the right hands and in the right situations. Apollos used the gift of reason to convince many people in Greece of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes in this life, sometimes in our walk with Christ, it often happens that abilities cause division because of jealousy, because of pride, or because of other problems. Apollos, he had some really great abilities, as I mentioned to you, but eventually these abilities created a big problem. Some of the Corinthians became so enamored and fascinated with him rather than the message that he was teaching. Now, I don't have, a t I don't have time today to go into a list of preachers who have more people fascinated with them than the message that they are teaching, but there are plenty of them out there. There are plenty of people who sit in churches who are more enamored with the person who is preaching versus what they are preaching, and they have a wrong message, and some people don't even know it. Now, let me be clear. There is absolutely no scriptural evidence in the text that Apollos welcomed this kind of behavior or encouraged people to think that way. And there is also no scriptural evidence that Paul ever blamed Apollos for this problematic development. However, it became the responsibility of Paul to confront the Corinthians about their tendency to divide over their personal preferences and their likes for different leaders and teachers. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Let me make something clear this morning, and this might ruffle some feathers, but I'm wearing the microphone, so I'm going to say it. Stop criticizing the gifts that God has given you and be thankful for them. There are certain gifts that other people have that you don't. There are certain gifts that you have that others don't. The gifts of all of these instruments here on stage. Folks, I'm not qualified to play air guitar. That is not a gift that I have. That is a gift that other people have to worship God. There are many gifts, and when those gifts come together in a community of believers, a beautiful picture gets painted, and the picture is the church, and the church comes together, and the church reaches out to bring others in. Always remember to give God the honor for what he has given you. And don't take any honor up for yourself because without him, you wouldn't have anything. The gifts that God has given you, he has not given them to you for your own glory, for your own personal glorification. He has given them to you to help bring the people of God together, to help bring strength to the Christian community, not to drive the people of God apart. John's baptism 
was only a sign of repentance from sin, not a representation or a sign of new life in Christ. Much like Apollos, these Ephesian believers, they needed further instruction about the message. They needed more details. They needed more from the word. They needed to know about the ministry of Jesus. They believed. They knew. They acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah, but they did not understand the significance or the importance of his death on the cross, the importance of his resurrection, or the work of the Holy Spirit. These believers, again, their knowledge was incomplete. They didn't know what it meant to be a real and true follower of Jesus. Becoming a Christian, becoming a follower of Jesus, yes, it absolutely involves turning away from sin, which we've identified this morning, and that's called repentance. It involves an, an expression of faith, turning to Christ, but then the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you, and it's such a beautiful thing. Our text said this morning in verses 5 and 6 of chapter 19, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. In the first century, according to the book of Acts, believers received the Holy Spirit in a variety of ways. Usually, the Holy Spirit would fill a person as soon as they professed faith in Jesus. Now here, that occurred later, because if you remember, the knowledge that these disciples had, again, it was incomplete. God was confirming these believers who did not initially know about the Holy Spirit as a part of the church, and then it was the filling of the Holy Spirit in them that endorsed them as believers. Some of you might be sitting here thinking, there's a word for what I'm talking about right now, and you're right, so Bible bonus points for you if you get this. It's Pentecost, which was the formal outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church. The other outpourings in the book of Acts were God's way of uniting new believers to the church. The mark of the true believer is not merely true doctrine, but godly actions, which is the true evidence of the Holy Spirit's work. When Paul laid his hands on these disciples, they received the Holy Spirit, just as the disciples had at Pentecost, resulting in outward, visible, tangible signs of the Spirit's presence. This had also happened when the Holy Spirit had filled the Gentile believers back in Acts 10, which we covered numerous months ago, but it's still on our church website. We encourage you to go on there and the uh, the YouTube channel as well. Go to YouTube, search Lands Down Alliance Church, and you can find that when we covered that as well. You see, much, much has been made about this passage, and it's talked about frequently amongst biblical scholars and others in Acts that depict believers speaking in tongues. If you think back to Acts 2, Luke, the author of Acts, tells us about how Jesus' followers were given the gift of speaking in other languages. 
Many believe that this gift refers to a special way a believer can speak to God, and Paul makes a reference to this gift in 1 Corinthians 13. Here is the unfortunate thing, church. More arguments take place over this text than more understanding of the issue. We should remember that speaking in tongues is not the central theme of the book of Acts by any measure or stretch of the imagination. The point of Luke's history is the faithful communication of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now let me tell you this. If we want to be doers of the word, we must be faithfully involved in the same mission of evangelism. Seek to share your faith with other people around you. Seek to share your faith in the power of the Holy Spirit like it says in Acts 1.8. And then leave it up to God to give you whatever experiences that he has planned for you that you need. Over the last few Wednesdays here at Youth Group, we have been studying and talking about how to make wise choices in who your friends are in who you hang out with. We've talked about the importance of surrounding yourself with people who also believe in Christ versus ones who will lead you away from Christ. One of the main points is to have a close friend, you have to be a close friend. We live in a time where people enjoy destroying others, where people enjoy discouraging others which is just one of the most confusing things for me about our society today. There are so many people around us that enjoy leaving someone in pieces on the ground, leaving someone in a dark place, leaving someone in their thoughts. There are people all around us who would do the complete opposite of what Priscilla and Aquila did. Rather than say, hey, come here. Let us tell you more about this. Let us complete your knowledge. Let us give you the full picture. There are people all around us that would have done the complete opposite and said, you're worthless, wrong, never do this again, get out. And then they just walk away with a smile on their face. Like I said earlier, can you imagine, just can you imagine if what happened with Apollos without knowing the full picture, like the preaching without the full picture, can you imagine if that would have happened today in 2023? I bet my next paycheck that Apollos probably would not continue preaching. I think all the time, from my personal journey, what would have happened if the first time I preached, my mentor, my youth pastor would have said, pack it up, this isn't for you. If you are here this morning and you have been told something along those lines, pack it up, done, failure, worthless, I need you to listen to me closely as we bring this to a close. I have a few quotes about other people that you should hear. He will never amount to anything 
once said a Munich schoolmaster concerning Albert Einstein. You ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to go back to driving a truck, said the first manager of Elvis Presley. You are too stupid to learn anything, said more than six teachers of Thomas Edison. You are fired. You are not creative in any way, shape, or form. The head of a Missouri newspaper said that to Walt Disney. Our text this morning, especially Acts 18 as a whole, is a beautiful, triumphant picture of the early church's ministry, showcasing victories in key and important cities and the exciting additions of many new leaders to the church, like the ones we've covered these past two weeks, Priscilla, Aquila, Apollos. Church, let me ask you, as we bring this to a close, let me challenge you, in your family, in your workplace, in your church, wherever you go this week, who is it time for you to be a Priscilla and an Aquila to? Now, I'm not just talking about some, about when you hear something preach or someone teach about, you know, being incorrect about the word of God. I'm also talking about when you see someone in your life who claims to be a Christian, but is not living a Christian life. Who is it time for you to be a Priscilla and an Aquila to? For, for, to put it into 2023 terms, who in your life needs you to wake them up today? We're going to have setbacks. We're going to have trials. We're going to have moments that feel like failure. But come on, when God brings a moment of victory into your life, that is worth celebrating. When he brings you those victories, turn around and share them. They're worth sharing. This past Friday night for work, I was down in Salisbury, Maryland. Uh, with with We the Kingdom, very popular uh, Christian band, and their their main I guess front not from him, but just the main leader of the group is a man by the name of Ed Cash. If you know Christian music, you've heard that name numerous times. Ed Cash was writing worship songs that we sing in church today with artists like Chris Tomlin and Matt Redman back in the late nineties, early two thousands. And now he is in We the Kingdom with it's like his kids, his, his nephew, and they are just they're touring the country. Ed Cash shared his testimony on stage Friday night where he just celebrated, I can't remember the exact number, but just celebrated a milestone of being clean and sober. And he told his testimony. I think about someone like an Ed Cash who how many songs he has been a part of that we sing in church and have sang in church over the years. If you know the very popular worship song, How Great Is Our God, he had a part in that. If someone would have told him, you're worthless. The, an, an artist, a worship artist who picked up their guitar for the first time, said, <laughs> this is not. I want to encourage you this week and challenge you to pray 
for who you need to be that facilitative, that equilative, and be confident. God is with you. There is someone in your life who knows very little about the scriptures. Point them to some of the key biblical passages that you know, and also share your own experiences with them. Make it real. Make it tangible. Tell them about the God you know. It says in Luke 11, verses 11 through 13, that God always gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this morning, this opportunity to dig into your word. Father, I just pray that as we are surrounded by people who do not have the full picture, Father, that we would continue to develop in our faith so that we can show them the full picture. Father, I also pray for, for preachers across this world today who are preaching without the full picture. That you would send people to complete that picture for them. Father, I pray for those all over who claim to be Christians, who are not living a Christian life, who are not truly following Jesus, because actively they are showing others an incomplete picture of you, and they're showing the wrong picture of you. Father, I pray that you would send people to them to remind them of the full picture. God, we thank you for your son Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. We thank you for people like Priscilla and Aquila who helped someone like Apollos to give him the full picture. And then so many, because of that, came to know you as Lord and Savior. We ask this all in your name. Amen.